For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I am joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, what's up, man? Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, Sam. How you doing, man? Just happy uh, happy New Year to everybody out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy, happy New Year. Uh, late Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Everything that's going on. We missed last week's show just because you know, that holiday weekend and traveling a little busy with family. And, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll get to everything today. And there was definitely some big news in the UCLA world over the past week. Uh, on Tuesday, things uh, kicked off pretty big with uh, the Holiday Bowl. We thought we'd be talking about how the game went down, who we pressed, what the takeaways were. But instead, we're talking about that whole cancellation, the fiasco, the timeline, the drama, the, the conspiracies, the, the hate, the blowbacks, the, the tweets all that fun stuff that goes along with it and just the, the general impression of how the whole situation went down. So Travis and I will break that down and we'll talk a little hoops as well. UCLA men's basketball today uh, announced that they were returning to the court. We're, we're recording this Sunday, only a couple hours after they announced the kind of new look schedule for the beginning of January. Arizona State is coming to Poly. They were supposed to come on, uh, I think it was New Year's Day, and now they're playing on Wednesday and then the Stanford game got pushed because Stanford has COVID issues and then Arizona might come next week we'll see but we'll talk about those games coming up and then also with the football season over because of that holiday bowl cancellation uh, there's also the the upcoming questions of NFL draft eligibility and declaration and everything so uh, we know Alec Anderson offensive lineman right tackle he's already declared but there's a handful of other guys who will probably be making their decision in the coming days, coming weeks, because they have to do that, I think, before January 17th. So we'll break down all those guys who are kind of in that little pool and see what the future could hold for UCLA on the football field. So with that out of the way, let's talk Holiday Bowl. Or, or I mean, not even the Holiday Bowl itself, because we didn't get it. But <laughs> – that was just uh, a total absolute mess, Travis. I know. So I was flying back from Christmas with my family. I landed in San Diego at about 12, 10, 12, 15. And I turn off airplane mode on my phone. And I'm like, oh, let's just like check to see any like injuries, what's going on, anything about the game. Uh, and I refresh Twitter and it's like, oh, second, 10 seconds ago, Bruce Feldman, the athletic. Uh, yeah, game's called off, not happening, canceled. UCLA backed out too much go, but like, oh my God, you're kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Like my parents are gonna be so mad. I left vacation early for this, <laughs> but it was just, and, and then it just kind of devolved from there. There was a lot of 
drama and people pointing fingers, but we'll, t- we'll touch on all of that. Travis, just what was your initial reaction and just kind of your overall impression of how everything went down? Uh, I would say shocked. I mean, you know, I know you were in San Diego. Uh, I was getting ready for it myself. I was, um, you know, like had my popcorn and my drink and everything <laughs> ready to go. Uh, about to watch the game because it was, I think it was on Fox. It was going to be on Fox. Yeah. Um, and pretty much what happened was uh, I was, you know, just looking like on ESPN, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, Instagram and all that. And it was like UCLA's canceled game. Uh, NC State, uh, like extremely upset. And uh, I was like, you know, I I don't understand it because it was a situation where like, the tests, all this stuff that could have been done before the game, like, you know, way before, like if, if you had, if you felt there was a 50, 50 kind of thing where like, maybe it isn't enough, not enough players, or maybe all the stars are out for UCLA. This could have been told before. Cause if I'm NC state, you know, people from North Carolina and, you know, made plans flown out here, got hotels, you know, all this stuff. And then they canceled the game. It just, uh, I would be upset, you know, if I was, you know, if Carolina's state fan, you know? Yeah, and it, it was obviously a tricky situation as everything has been the last two years through COVID and everything. But there was some kind of tell that UCLA had COVID issues. And Dave Duran, the, the NC State coach, we'll touch on him in a sec. He's an absolute goober uh, <laughs> at this point. The stuff he's done over the past week, I just cannot, he's insane. But he said, Oh, we had no idea UCLA had had any COVID issues. I'm like, uh, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? That's not true. <laughs> that, that's like it's public knowledge. These guys, it was Quantrez Knight. He opted out of the game. Uh, Jay Toy, a defensive lineman. Uh, well, Antonio Mafi, and, and um, I think there there were one or two other guys who had been confirmed to be out. So they knew the NC State knew. Obviously, UCLA knew, and people around in UCLA bubbles they knew. But I guess NC State just tuned it out, didn't care. I, I think the real issue was just kind of how UCLA handled it. They were going all out, all in, saying like, oh, the game's happening. Yeah, come on down, San Diego. It's going to be great. But, yeah, you may have had the numbers to play, but you know how COVID works. You can't just say like, oh, yeah, we'll leave Antonio Mafi and Quantrez Knight Westwood and COVID stays there, never happens. No, those guys had been around guys on your team in the days leading up to it. So mm-hmm. someone on your team has files in there in San Diego. They get shuffled through a, out of practice into a different hotel. Well, they were just on the field with guys. So these guys are going to be contact traced. So you know when Tuesday morning pops up, you're not going to have the numbers anymore. So I don't blame them for, for calling it off, for not calling it off early because hey, what do you want them to do? They had the numbers until they didn't. And once they didn't, they called it off. But well, uh, the no, lack of transparency leading up to that. And yeah, they, yeah. They're yeah. just not – there were reports that these players had to come out and say they had they were in COVID protocols, and, and their parents did. The team never said, oh, we have players in, in protocols. Obviously, with, with HIPAA and everything, you can't say, like, oh, yeah, this player has COVID. But if the players say it publicly, then they should be a little bit more – consideration on the UCLA side of things to kind of make that public knowledge just to be considerate to the fans, your own fans and NC State fans. No, I, I look, I agree. I think, uh, look, for the coach to say that he had no idea, it's California, okay? It's a hotbed of COVID right now. 
I mean, it's not only the, the football team that canceled the game. Basketball hasn't played in a month in like all three schools, you know, all four to five schools, UCLA, SC, Lone Beach State, they all canceled their game. So if he's a college coach, he he would know something, right? And so that's 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 probably not a true statement. But um, you know, like he's, like he's, he's either an idiot or it's not true. Yeah. So I, I'll uh, let him pick. He's either a liar or, or an idiot. Yeah, yeah. So like you kind of just you can you can see it. I mean, it's on TV. I'm pretty sure you watch the ESPN. Anyway. Um, I also felt like, you know, like you, you were saying, like, just a little bit better transparency. But look, COVID, this is what COVID is, you know, like this period is going to be, you know, like this for I don't know how long, you know, minimum, you know, at least at least the next year until uh, they get a better handle on the situation. But in kind of like contact sports, like football, like basketball, if one person have it, 10 person have it, you know, if 10 people have it hundred to have, you know, or 50 have it, you know, so it's just how it is. That's just how, you know, sports would probably be going on, you know? Yeah. And I know the PAC 12, uh, the other day, they came out with new policies on testing and how often you have to be tested if you're vaccinated and boosted or vaccinated, not boosted, unvaxxed, whatever. The quarantine period was cut in half. So at the time UCLA was following PAC 12 policies, they're following UCLA medical policies. And it, it just happened. That's, that's how it worked out. A lot of people are saying UCLA canceled this game or uh, UCLA's fault. It's COVID's fault. It sucks. It, it hurts UCLA just as much as, as it hurts NC State. I know NC State wants to act all high and mighty, being like, oh, yeah, well, we came prepared. We were ready to play. We had this. It's like, well, it's not like they, UCLA slept through their alarms and said, oh, we're not going <laughs> It's a global pandemic. It happens. And yeah, the SeaWorld stuff, them not wearing masks at SeaWorld is kind of silly. Like, it's just a bad PR look. But at the same time, uh, out, masks outdoors for vaccinated people, which 99% of the team is, the, the CDC has said you don't have to wear them. So yeah, it looks bad if you get caught on camera and then two days later, your, your game gets canceled because of COVID. But I mean, the UCLA was not going out there announcing that there were COVID issues and they were pretty much giving players the green light to act like normal. They were going on roller coasters and seeing the city and going on airships and, and doing all the, the city touring stuff that was set up by the bowl and by the schools. So it, it is what it is. You don't really want to blame the players. Maybe you blame administration and coaching staff for transparency and for just policies on that front, but don't blame the players. Don't blame UCLA for canceling the game this is the world we live in now and it sucks <laughs> pretty much no I, I agree with you 100 sam i think is i mean look it, it, nba the nba you know obviously is a billion dollar industry and they have to get replacement players every team you know so it's just it just it is what it is right now i think that uh everybody has to just understand that especially in california where it's a hotbed a lot of traveling comes through California. Or a lot of traveling came through California uh, during Christmas time. And plus players are leaving, going to see their families, whatever the case is. So this is what it's going to be, you know. Um, this is just what it is for now. Yeah, and then I want to look at the NC State side of things. Uh, because, like I was saying earlier, like UCLA lost in this situation. NC State lost in this situation. The guys on both sides, it sucks for them. They want to be out there. But yeah, NC State, if you want to feel bad for them and say like, oh, wow, like 
You know, they didn't have any cases and they still didn't get to play. Uh, that, that really sucks. That's understandable. The way they reacted in the moment and in the, the day or two after, oh boy, they lost so much good faith from <laughs> the, as, as they should have from the UCLA fan base because First of all, you say Dave Duran uh, immediately says he didn't know anything about COVID issues. Yeah, you did. And, saying, <laughs> and, and he was partially right in that whole press of, uh, availability he had when he said UCLA didn't communicate effectively. That's understandable. That's an issue that UCLA people have. But then he comes out and he just keeps spewing this stuff. He shows up. At, first of all, NC State takes the Holiday Bowl trophy, which I think is goofy. I mean, <laughs> the Holiday Bowl just brought it in and gave it to them. They took it home on their team flight. What, are you going to put that in the trophy case? You didn't play the game. So <laughs> that's, that's stupid for one. Duran gets off the plane after he's talking to local media back in Raleigh and saying, oh, like the I forget what the acronym he used for the NCAA, but he's blaming the NCAA, even though it's not the NCAA's fault. He continues to blame UCLA. That's silly. And you had right away, Thayer Thomas, the NC State wide receiver, uh, he said he went out on Twitter and said, "Oh, can't believe UCLA had a players-only meeting to vote for, and they voted not to play." You idiot! How do you think this works? You think that anyone's going to leave it at the players in a global pandemic? The decision was made by UCLA's medical staff, so he just set everyone off on this whole thing. And of course, you get certain outlets who pick it up and run with that. You get certain types of fans who pick that up and run with it. And uh, the conspiracy theory, it, it happens. It spreads like wildfire. And it's all because he said something really stupid and not backed up. And he either came up with it by himself to demonize UCLA or someone told him that. I don't want to say it was definitely Dave Duran, but I would not be surprised if it was. Because <laughs> that coach showing up wearing his Holiday Bowl champion's hat on the tarmac in Raleigh is an absolute buffoon. He is just insane. What a goofball. I would say this when it comes to North Carolina uh, State. They don't win a lot. They don't win a lot of football. They don't win a lot of basketball. They don't win a lot of no sports, right? So this is their big thing because I don't know if they're going to go nine and four next year, you know, and or have a chance to play in this kind of bowl next year because I feel like Clemson was down this year. Clemson probably won't be down next year. And they, you know, I don't think they'll have as good as a season, you know? So for them to wear the hat, take the trophy, because they're not, uh, it's like, I don't know, like the Houston Rockets winning the championship. It, it, it rarely wins. It happens, but rarely, you know? <laughs> It's not like the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors or something like that, you know, like where they, you know, they win it uh, more times than not. So I think with with them is that they're just not used to being in the situation where they're actually good. And so, you know, and so like that's why they're just milking it the season for as long as they can milk it for because they know next year probably we get our butts kicked by Clemson. You know, next year – you know what I'm saying? We're not going to be as good. We're not going to be nine and four next year. Yeah, it's the classic act like you've been there before, but obviously no one's been in this exact situation before. It sucks. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so Boston College was supposed to play. Who were they supposed to play? Because BC had had COVID issues and had to back out the day before their game. Obviously, it's a little different than five hours ahead, but 
you didn't get this kind of uh, conspiracy theory, vitriol, whatever in, in that game. And uh, I think it's because the fan base you were going against. I think it says something about them and the team and the coaching staff. So, yeah. Yeah. well, it's not every fan. It's not every player. It's not every coach. There were a few uh, people of, of note in that old situation on the NC State side who really blew their chance to be uh, seen as like a, a tough luck kind of team, a, a likable team that people felt sorry for. And they just shot into the sun to be vindictive and, and weird about it. So that that was a, a really just messy situation in the following couple of days. And it's been funny seeing guys like UTR kind of clap back at them, making like TikToks and commenting on stuff. It's It's really goofy. Uh, that whole thing but it is fun seeing UCLA stand up for themselves in this situation the team obviously didn't make a statement about any of that but seeing the players just kind of unleashed say like no you idiot that's not what happened <laughs> you're like oh yeah have fun yeah and enjoy your flight home <laughs> like I, I like seeing that kind of trash talk that is very very warranted in this case oh no like I said I think you know some schools and some teams are just not used to winning so they don't know how to be a, a graceful winner. They're not Alabama where they can just like, this is normal. When's the last time we heard North Carolina State was nine and four? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> football. When's the last time you heard they beat Clemson in football? A long time, probably. So they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to be winners graciously. Yeah. It's not like UCLA football is generally either. I mean, they haven't been to a Rose Bowl like in, in my lifetime. And they haven't had a 10 win season in like six years or something. So seven, eight years, whatever it is. So it's not like UCLA should be acting all high and mighty. Who knows if they'd be doing the same thing if she was on the other foot. But as it is, we just got to see what happened and who's reacting in which ways. And geez, it's a total mess. So with all of that down now the way, let's move on to our next segment. Uh, talk a little UCLA men's basketball. Uh, like we were saying earlier, a lot of COVID games canceled, had that Alabama State canceled uh, a couple hours before because of Nick Cronin, and then had the North Carolina game, the Cal Poly game. Those were called off in the next couple of days. And then the Arizona and Arizona State games were canceled because those are supposed to be this past weekend. And uh, then Stanford, this coming Thursday, now it's Stanford who has issues. So that game got canceled. But we moved the Arizona State game to Wednesday. You're playing Cal on Saturday, and then you are probably going to play Arizona on Tuesday should everything work out like people are saying it is. So, Travis, UCLA has barely played <laughs> in the, the past month, I think since December 2nd to, to now. So over a month, they've only played one game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How are they going to bounce back from this kind of weird period? And But I mean, they, they won their, their two games, the the – the game on uh, was it the first against Colorado? They won on the 11th against Marquette. Good win. So they were playing well, and then they hit this absolute wall because of COVID. What are you expecting when they come out against Arizona State? Uh, rustiness. I think they're going to be really rusty. I think they're they're happy because they're like, dude, finally a game. I'm tired of going against you know the center. You know, I'm tired. Like you when you're an athlete, you know, you practice, and you know, I know. With coach, he's going to practice hard, you know, and be really physical and a lot of defense and that kind of stuff. So I think right now they're probably like, I'm so sick and tired of playing against each other, beating each other up. So there's, they're so excited for Wednesday. 
I can only imagine like it's just it's like a like a like a lion that hasn't eaten for a while, you know. <laughs> That and you, you see, he sees a gazelle or a piece of meat or a deer or something. I think they're going to be excited, but it's probably going to be a little sloppy because it's they haven't played a game in uh, you know almost a month. So I think once they get the rhythm, I think people should understand that the Arizona State game will be a little sloppy. Cal game might be sloppy, but it's tune-up games for the Arizona game. Uh, if they do play the Arizona or Arizona game, because that's, you know, like that's the statement game right there. Uh, um, I hope that they play it because the statement games don't come along. They, they're not, they're far and few between. So yeah. they, you know, they need stay. I mean, UCLA is a top five school and to beat Arizona, they can move up to maybe top three, top two. Uh, you know, they need these kind of big wins, you know, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see like first two games, I think it'll be sloppy. I think the first game will be really sloppy. The next game will be a little bit better. And hopefully the game against Arizona, it's the back, you know, the rust is off. Let's go, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting because not only the rust, but also I think there might be some chemistry issues a little bit early on because when they came back to practice, I think it was on uh, the 29th or 30th, somewhere around there. Uh, they only had six players at practice. So those six players might be in slightly better shape than the other guys or like we were talking about in the past is other guys are probably working out on their own, doing their own thing anyways, but nothing, nothing, not practicing nothing's like, you. yeah, you know, it's like yeah. practicing. Nothing's like practice. Yeah. You're not games. practicing in a, in a Mick Cronin practice. You're not scrimmaging your teammates. Uh, you're not maybe getting uh, like hands on with the, the plays anyone's installing or the defense mm-hmm. sets are installing. So mm-hmm. Just there, there may be some guys who lag behind. I wonder if Mick Cronin gives those six guys a little bit more time than usual. We don't know who they are. I, I don't know who they are, um, but maybe those guys. Maybe he adjusts the rotation to account for that. I don't know. But Arizona State is also a very weird, wild, horrible team this year. They're five and seven. I think. Let, let me go back and find this. I think what was it? They scored. 20 yeah they lost to Washington State 51-29 at the beginning of December this is a team that scored 29 points in a game 29 (laughs) points would be a bad half for a division one power five team and they did it an entire game that's horrendous Uh, and then they came right back out and beat Oregon overtime yeah Oregon's not very good let's see they they lost to San Francisco (laughs) in their last game Uh, that's not great It'd be Creighton. That's all right. It'd be Grand Canyon, but those were, they barely won those. Uh, and then they just got walloped by Cal by 24 points. So mm. UCLA, even with the rust, with all the stuff going on, with the, everyone's kind of on different paths back, they should mm-hmm. still win this game pretty oh. easily. Agreed. Agreed. I think, uh, look, it, conference games, always hard, no matter what the schedule is what what your schedule is what they are if they you could be 15 and 0 they could be 0 and 15 but they play you tough uh because they know you you're not afraid of you you know most of the players that play for those teams uh any teams knows the other players and the other teams so i i think that if if ucla comes and does what they're supposed to do i think they'll be they'll be good you know but just don't take Arizona State lightly. I think, uh, you know, take them as getting ready, you know, because if it all holds true, basically in three games, 
it's the game of the year so far, you know, because Arizona is a top 10 school. Arizona has beating, has beaten, uh, you know, Illinois in Illinois. And, you know, they've won some pretty tough games. So UCLA is going to have to be ready to defend their home court. So this game, don't take Arizona, even though they should win, don't take them lightly. This is a tune-up. You got to get your car, you know, you know, like tune it up, tune it up, getting ready for the, you know, getting ready for the Pac-12 because uh, Pac-12 is always hard because you just, you know, you never know. We just never yeah. know. You know. But all yeah, Arizona State and it looks like they're gonna. I think they're down uh, uh, Marcus Bagley again, uh, which means Kamari Lawrence. He, he's pretty good, six six forward. He's kind of mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. good rebounder. He's kind of like their version of Jaime Hawkins. Um, it, so so he'll be there. And then you got DJ Horns, their leading scorer, but that's only thirteen and a half. And as a guard, only one point five assists. Let's see, they got a. Uh, Marion Jackson, he's got 4.2 assists per game. He's a pretty good passer, but really there's no one on that team who's, who's any anyone who's going to kill you. So you, you get the scouting report, and, and you, you should be able to execute it pretty easily. None of these guys are going to really take you off guard and drop 40 or anything. Yeah, no, they're, no, they're, no. they'll play you tough, but it's not like they're going to feed one guy and UCLA is going to fall asleep and just get carved up by one or two guys no, individually. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Their best player went to Kansas. He transferred to Kansas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the guard, point guard. So, I think, like I, like you said, like, I think uh, they should win. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it's not about them. It's not about them. It's not about Cal. It's, uh, it's about Arizona, you know. And you have to play, take every game one game at a time, but you got to be ready. And you can't, you know, like I said, you can't underestimate anybody because people don't be surprised if it's like a close game back and forth for the most part. You said they might pull away late, but it might be a close game, you know, for the first 30 minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So you got the Arizona State game Wednesday, the Cal game Saturday. Cal, they did suck pretty bad, uh, but they've won <laughs> five in a row. So they've turned it around. They, they're looking like a pretty good team. You're definitely happy that's not your first game back. Uh, you can get your, your legs under you and mm-hmm. get warmed up in that Arizona State game. And then, like you said, come back a few days later and then play that Arizona game, assuming it happens on Tuesday, like people are saying. But that'll be a big one. We'll break that down next week, the, the two games this week, and then looking forward to that Arizona game once they officially mm-hmm. pencil it in. And with that, we're going to move on to our last segment of the day. Talk a little NFL draft coming up. Uh, UCLA, they only had one player opt out uh, to uh, opt out of the Holiday Bowl, declared early. That was Otito Agbonia. But even then, he had been nursing an injury all year. He was just going to rehab from that because he had been playing through it and, and then took the chance to rehab. He was still with the team and everything, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. one of the, the, the standard opt-outs you see. But everyone was ready to play for UCLA at the Holiday Bowl, and and then that obviously fell apart. So now it's NFL draft season. They're going to be accepting all-star invites to the different bowls and showcases and, and signing agents and declaring. So a lot going on. Like we said earlier, Alec Anderson, right tackle, started the last two years, two and a half years pretty much. Uh, he will – he's already declared. 
And then you got mm-hmm. guys, super seniors who are out of eligibility, like Quantrez Knight, who he declares, so did Jordan Jamar Keith and Paul Gratton and other guys like uh, Britton Brown, who they all, they, they can't come back. So it is what it is with them. But then you've got Dorian Thompson Robinson, Zach Charbonnet, Kyle Phillips, Greg Delsich, Sean Ryan. Uh, you got Quentin Lake. That's, uh, you got Mitchell Agude. Uh, that's pretty much the, the key guys to keep an eye on and let them mm-hmm. pass on. You got Chase Coda too. Chase Coda's played his four years. Um, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. Um, I feel like it'd probably be more likely that he transfers somewhere than go to the NFL draft just based on his performance over the past years. But generally speaking, those, those are the key guys who would possibly leave early. They have about two weeks from now to decide. Travis, who do you expect to stay and go? And which of these guys do you think is the best NFL prospect? Well, let's just start with, obviously, you know, DeJounis. Let's start with the quarterback. Pretty yeah. much uh, most important position. I think this year he should go just because, like, this year is not really a strong class as far as quarterbacks, you know? If you look at the top quarterbacks, you got the guy from Pitt. I can't think of his name. Yeah, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, you got Pickett, and you got you got some other guys. I think next year you got, you know, you got uh, Bryce Young. You got, you know, guy from Clemson. You got, like, a lot of guys who will be coming out uh, next year that would be a tougher quarterback class to come out to. So, I think I think Dijon goes. I think he goes. Running backs always go because they their shelf life is much shorter than any other position, you know. Like, you rarely see running backs do 15 years, you know, in the NFL. They do basically five, five to seven, five to ten maybe, you know. There's very few Adrian Petersons and even, you know what I'm saying, who stays – I mean, who 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 plays 13 plus 14 years at the running back. They just – it's that just doesn't happen. So, running backs usually always go because they have to. You know, if I'm a running back, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm any – parent of a running back, if he has a chance to go, go. Because you got to make the money as soon as you can. Uh, you cannot stay as a running back. Wide receivers might be a little bit different. Um, like you said, I think Chase stayed. I think Chase either transfers uh, just based off what he uh, what he did, you know, uh, this year. Um, you know, depending on where, you know, I think he goes, just, you know, go somewhere so he can play a lot. I think, you know, when you, when, when, it, when it comes to right now, when these transfer protocol kind of things where like you're an older, super duper senior, like you call it, where you can go play immediately somewhere else. I think kids are more likely to transfer uh, than necessarily go 100% pro, if that makes any sense. Because uh, maybe they, they say he's your, your day three guy, like meaning rounds four through seven. If you're around four through seven guy, do you want to risk it? I mean, I guess NFL is a little different than NBA. I would try to improve my draft status if I'm that kind of a third game. Now, if you're a first or a second day guy, go. Uh, you you don't chance it. You you leave. But if you're like they say a friend, you know, fourth through seventh kind of round guy, fifth through seventh, whatever it is, I think you 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 might stay. You know, UCLA. Yeah. I think they have a couple first round picks. I think the right tackle will be a first round pick. I think the running back could be a first round or late or early second, you know, just because of his size and his speed and his quickness. 
I believe, maybe not first round. I mean, running backs, they really don't take in the first round. But let's just say second. Second, you know, through third. Um, D can go, I think he can go first round. But let's just say he goes early second, you know. Um, you know, because I think just because of the class, they might not chance it with him in a first round pick. Now, maybe he might go 28, 29, something like that. But I, I did. I think that uh, most likely he'll be like thirty-two, like second round, early second round. This is just me. So UCLA has, like I said, they have talent, older, older players that could go pro, and probably will be high picks, uh, like a lot of day two picks. I think you know, a lot of second round, third round guys. Yeah, I, I think most are going to be in that day two kind of area, and some day three. I think Sean Ryan came into the year, uh, the, the starting left tackle. He came in as uh, people had him around like, oh, 15 to 25. So like second half, kind of mid first round pick. He's kind of slipped a little bit. It's not that he's been bad. He just kind of fell off a lot of people's radar. So he'll probably be a, a solid second round pick, someone like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, for, I don't think he's going in the first round. <laughs> I, I think, I, he's probably, I'd say the top five or six quarterbacks in the, in the, this year's draft class are kind of set apart. You got five or six guys who everyone kind of agrees. And then after that, it's just kind of a total crapshoot. I feel like most people would put CTR in the top 10 quarterbacks in the draft, yes. depending on who goes, who doesn't. Uh, and th- I think, Every year but one, the last 22 NFL drafts, there have been double-digit quarterbacks picked. So if he's in the top 10 at his position, he'll get picked. He's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd probably yeah. put him, let's say he's like the eighth or ninth best quarterback. I'd say maybe like a late fifth to early seventh kind of guy. I think that's where he goes. I think um, – I don't know. He, I feel like he good. might – I just – he might be a third. He might be a third uh, to fourth. Where around the Brett? Where around the Brett Hundley get drafted? Second was the second. No, to Green Bay. I, I want to say fourth. Uh, let me pull it up. But I'm because I, I feel like he's fair. around that. He's in that third or third round kind of range. Third fourth. I think somebody takes a chance. Okay, he went uh, fifth round, one forty-seven. I'd put okay. him slightly below that. But, like, yeah, I'd say, yeah, somewhere from, like, 160 to, to 220 or something where, okay. where he'll get drafted. I, I'm, I'm confident that if he goes, he'll get drafted. But, yeah, I, I don't – he's not in the bubble of those top five guys. Like, That's, around, no, like Kenny Pickett, um, who is the uh, uh, Malik Willis. And you got maybe Brock Purdy's probably up there, too. And so. quarterback from Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't Ritter. There's um, Ritter. There we go. So that that's probably your your five guys is probably one or two. Um, uh, Sam Howell. So that's that five or six. That that's your top tier guys, and then that next tier maybe one team has CTR as the first guy on that next tier. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's not going super high. But just going player by player to the rest. Uh, I, I'm with you on Charbonnet. I think Charbonnet goes. I think he should go. Um, he, he's probably a, a late second to early fourth round pick. I think if you went early fourth, it'd be, that'd be considered him sliding, but I think it's, it's possible. You know, you don't, you don't know how he's going to do in the combine and everything, but mm-hmm. definitely uh, he has the potential to be a second round pick. If, 
Oh, if, that if, most if definitely. His workouts most definitely. go great. If the pro day is good, uh, he can definitely be a second rounder. Uh, Kyle Phillips, I think he'll go. I, I think he's a guy that, that teams will really like to have. Uh, his measurables, his, his numbers aren't going to blow you away. But he's reliable. He's good. The tape is good. He's smart. He's a really good blocker. I think that's something that will really work in his favor when you get to some of these um, experienced, like hard-nosed NFL coaches like a Bill Belichick who who loves his receivers to block even if he's only 5'11". So I, he'll go. He'll get picked. It's good for him. Greg Dulcich, he's probably a, a third-round pick, give or take 10 picks. So he could also be – late second to early fourth. I think mm-hmm, he goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Ryan, like I said, I think he goes. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, Mitchell Agude, if, if he's you asked 50, me, like three 50. games into the season, I would have said he definitely goes. But he kind of tapered off a bit when he got hurt towards the middle of the season. He, he came back a little bit late. Uh, I think having a bowl game would have been huge for him. So I don't know if teams have to tape on him. Uh, to, to him justifying going, but he's definitely talented. He's good. Ultimately, I think he comes back. That's based off a total guess. I'm not like hearing <laughs> that, but uh, that's what I would do. And then Quentin Lake, he already accepted an invite to the uh, NFL Players Association Collegiate Bowl. So one of those showcases, I think he'll end up going to the draft. And, and I think he's probably a, a fifth, sixth round pick. And then someone like, who's already declared like a Tito Agbonia, uh, I think he's probably in that late. He's a day three guy too. Someone who I think could get picked. I'd say maybe like a seventy percent chance he gets picked. Um, but obviously he was hearing some pretty good things if he was if he declared mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. three weeks ago. So mm-hmm. someone told him he should go, and that means something. <laughs> well, no, definitely. I think you know sometimes it's a good thing somebody told you. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends who it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would yeah, say this. Like a sketchy uncle saying to go. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's a little different. 50% of the uh, NFL, unlike any other league, 50%, uh, might be more, is undrafted players. So if, even if they do get drafted, if they don't, they can still make rosters. Um, I think that's the best thing about the NFL, in my opinion, because – like a lot of dudes, they get misinformation. They might not get the right opportunity and they end up not getting drafted, you know, but like when you don't get drafted, you can go to any team you want. And if you work hard and, you know, do your grind and you can make the team minimum, make the practice squad. And so I think, you know, with the NFL, I think that like a lot of UCLA guys, they're those fringe guys. And, like, they're not the Ohio State, the Alabama, Georgia top-end talent guys, but they're fringe guys who can make teams, you know? Um, they might not be first-round picks, but, like, you know, those are the – like, the, the the root of your team is those kind of guys, those fringe guys. How good are they? You know, those – you know, like, those uh, blockers, you know, like you were talking about, uh, second, third, fourth-round picks. Like, that's how you make your money if you're a scout. Uh, you don't make your money off the first rounds. Most of the first rounds are, are what they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, like you said, the undrafted guys will be, they'll be big this year. So yeah, maybe a Bonia and, and maybe uh, someone like a, uh, like a Gude or, or Quentin Lake, or maybe those guys go undrafted, but you just look at uh, Chris Barnes, uh, the, the Packers linebacker, he went undrafted. He probably should have, could have been drafted back in 2020, but that was also when COVID first started. 
uh, he didn't get an invite to the um, to the 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 combine, so he didn't get to put a show on there. And then the pro day was was canceled. No individual workouts; they were all canceled. <laughs> so, if if your teams are like, well, we've seen the guys in the Pro Bowl, we've talked to them, interviewed them, we have we have numbers on them, official and. What are we gonna like watch this guy virtually? No, nah, whatever. So I'm not gonna pick him. But when the time comes for to to round out a roster for training camp, then you add him. So not only do you get a pro a pro day this year for for all those guys who are kind of on the fringe or probably late round guys, uh, but you you also um, just I think UCLA being eight and four this year and being somewhat nationally relevant helps those guys because after the 2019 season they were four and eight instead of eight and four and all the guys who didn't get to play on national television who didn't get to play in a bowl game who didn't get a lot of attention and then didn't get an invite to the combine they went undrafted so those things are now even though the holiday bowl didn't happen those things are now working in these guys favor so i think that's going to help them in the long run whether they're scooped up in the undrafted market right after the draft or they end up becoming late round picks when two years ago because of all that they would have been undrafted Yes, yes. Like I said, I, I 100% agree with you, Sam. I really think that, uh, you know, like I said, UCLA had a lot of talent this year. Uh, I think a lot of them can play in the NFL as those fringe guys. And like you said, when you, once you get to the NFL, you know, like you never know what can happen. You know, it just all depends on your system and where you go and how much they need you. You know what I'm saying? Like, be honest, like everybody talks about Tom Brady, you know, like he was a fringe guy, you know, he was a six round pick. And obviously there's not a lot of Tom Brady's where you go from six round pick to the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, he was a late round pick. Fringe guys can become superstars just as much as a first round pick could be a superstar. Yeah. And like you're saying, the NFL more so than any other sport, any other league. So that, that's big. That matters. So uh, with all of that said, that's probably going to be it for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA. Uh, make sure to come back next couple weeks. Uh, episodes come out on Mondays. Uh, next couple weeks, we'll be talking basketball, back on the court, uh, NFL draft decisions, who's going, who's staying, like we were just talking about. That'll be big. Uh, got those showcases and all-star games and everything coming up for those guys. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. We'll break it down when everything breaks. So, Travis. Thanks so much for joining me once again uh, as my co-host here on the show. Uh, where can people find you? And, and uh, yeah, just, just let them know. Well, yeah, I want to say I'm glad to be back working with you. We was off the last couple of weeks because of holidays and because of cancellation, yep. cancellations of games. So yep. I was like, man, we, are we ever going to get a chance to work together again? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely good to be back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, definitely uh, you can find me. Uh, on Instagram at Travis W. Reed um, and also on Facebook, uh, Travis W. Reed. I post all my social uh, media stuff on both those sites. Um, I'm also, you know, I got, you know, if you ever get bored, you can always come check out the Athletes Journey show also on the Believe Network where I interview for other former athletes about, you know, their journeys and things like that as far as after sports. What happens after what we're talking about here, you see you like. Yeah, but once again, like I said, uh, on Instagram, Travis, at uh, Travis W. Reed, 
R E E D, not R E I D, and then Travis W Reed on Facebook as well. Nice, good to know. And you can follow me at Sam Conan on Twitter, and also you can follow uh, my site that I'm the publisher of, uh, All Bruins, the UCLA site uh, for Sports Illustrated. You can follow uh, SI underscore All Bruins. And yeah, thanks so much for for taking a listen. Appreciate it. Make sure to uh, like, subscribe, and, and send out, share to all the UCLA people you know. Turn on notifications for the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, appreciate you listening. And uh, see you later. All right, all right, all right. We'll see you next week. Like I said, happy to be talking about sports again. <laughs>